Welcome to Second Impressions, the Pride and Prejudice podcast. My name is Tom. And I'm Grace. And we're going through Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice chapter by chapter. Today we're doing Volume 2, Chapter 18. But Grace, will you give us a quick recap of Volume 2, Chapter 17? Sure. So in Chapter 17, Elizabeth finally tells Jane about mostly what happened at Huntsford, her little Huntsford trip. Uh, she tells Jane about, first of all, the proposal that she, re- she received from Darcy. And also the, you know, big reveal of Wickham's true character. Um, she does omit any mention of Bingley, of course, because she just doesn't see the point in dredging up the past with no hope of changing what will happen in the future. So she um, neglects to include the part about uh, Wickham, or sorry, Darcy sort of convincing <laughs> Um, Bingley not to be with Jane anymore um and Jane is of course um very surprised at um the reveal of Wickham being you know duplicitous but of course she wants to kind of um try to see the best in every in everyone including Wickham like hoping that maybe there's once again some sort of miscommunication or something but I feel like even here, she has trouble trying to find out, trying to find, like, a rational explanation other than just Wickham being, like, not a good guy. Um, they, Elizabeth does ask Jane, like, what do you think I should do with this information about Wickham? For, like, because, you know, the whole, the whole town thinks he's this great guy and Elizabeth now knows that he's not a good guy at all. And Jane kind of just advises, like, let's not say anything. Um... And Elizabeth agrees for three reasons. Number one, he's leaving, so there'd be no point. Number two, um, Elizabeth does not have permission from Darcy to reveal that Wickham is a bad guy, specifically like what he did regarding Georgiana Darcy. And number three, no one would believe them because he is too beloved by everyone in the town. And so they sort of just let sleeping dogs lie in that way. And, and Darcy's hated, sorry to oh, interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Darcy is universally hated, and they would rather roll over in their graves than believe that Darcy is a good man and Wickham is evil. And so that is how chapter 17 ends. So, Tom, why don't you tell us what happens in chapter 18? Great, thank you, Grace. Chapter 18, volume 2. So the soldiers are leaving Meryton. They're going to Brighton, where they're headquartered where they're based and kitty and lydia cannot be more distraught about it <laughs> but fortunately fortunately for lydia that is she gets an invitation from mrs forrester the wife of captain forrester to a colonel forrester sorry <laughs> the wife of colonel forrester to accompany them to brighton and lydia is over the moon with this news kitty is very depressed about it that she didn't get inv- invited to go and mrs bennett highly approves uh Elizabeth, not so, not so happy about it. And she tells her father, Mr. Bennett, why she doesn't think it's a good idea. Basically, like, Lydia's gonna make a spectacle of herself and probably get into some scandal and embarrass the whole family. And Mr. Bennett is just like, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll be fine, you know. She's gonna, Lydia's gotta do what Lydia wants to do, basically. That, we'll get into that, but that, that's what Mr. Bennett says, in essence. Yeah. So, Lydia's going. No one, yeah. no one's gonna stop this. She's going to Brighton, and then we also get to see Mr. Wickham for what Elizabeth hopes will be the last time. He comes over to dine at Longbourn, 
and he tries to like reignite his flirtation with Elizabeth. Elizabeth is not having it. <laughs> she kind of mentions Darcy and says like he gets better with uh with acquaintance, mm. gets better on knowing him more. Yeah. And Wickham doesn't like this very much. He basically doesn't talk to Elizabeth the rest of the night. <laughs> and then they both leave with mutual civility, hoping that they'll never see each other again. <laughs> Uh, we can only hope. We can only hope. And then finally, Lydia's gone. Lydia leaves Longbourn to stay with Mrs. Forster, and then they're all going to go off to Brighton, where Lydia will have the time of her life. Mm. I noticed just now that, like, so yeah, Jane went to London, Elizabeth went to Hunsford, and now I guess it's Lydia's turn for a little a little vacation of L- her own. A little vacation, yeah. Where <laughs> Will uh, Mary and Kitty ever get to go anywhere? <laughs> we'll talk about it more, but it is kind of crazy. Like, it makes sense. Like, uh, Jane and Elizabeth are both, basic, both basically adults. They mm-hmm. go get to have vacations by for the, for the by on them on their own rather for the most part on their yeah. own yeah well you know with other people without the family right right uh and then we skip over the next two daughters and then Lydia gets to have a vacation by herself young Lydia gets her own solo movie <laughs> <laughs> no wonder kitty is upset yeah. oh yeah uh, she, yeah she is yeah no once again just looked over in and mary of the younger more popular daughter sister yeah exactly it, no one cares about mary too and no one gives a fuck there will be mary. she will not be mentioned by name but there will be one brief mention of mary <laughs> in this chapter yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah let's let's all let's right, right we're gonna hit ourselves okay you want to start reading first grace sure chapter 18 the first week of their return was soon gone there being Elizabeth and Jane's. The first week of their return to Longbourn has come and gone. The second began. All right, so now we're in week two of the two eldest daughters being back at Longbourn. Mm. It was, the, oh yeah, another demonstration of Jane Austen's brilliance and just like, all right, it's been a week and now it's the new week. <laughs> Time's passing. <laughs> yes. It was at last, sorry, it was the last day, sorry. Let me start again. It was the last of the regiment's stay in Meryton, and all the young ladies in the neighborhood were drooping apace. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> just, yeah, just, you know, got a dark cloud over their heads and walk, like, probably just, like, walking around forlornly. <laughs> uh, yeah, slowly, drooping over. Uh, this is a little bit of a hyperbole. Not mm. all the young women are drooping apace. <laughs> The dejection was almost universal. <laughs> oh, there we go. There's almost. the hedging. But also, another universal, that word is back mm, yeah. in the very first sentence. Yes. So, if the author is saying that's universal, you can take that with an, a healthy grain of salt. Yes, and this isn't even universal. It's almost universal. Right, uh, yeah. The elder Miss Bennets alone were still able to eat, drink, and sleep and pursue the usual course of their employments. So who were the elder Miss Bennets? Jane and Elizabeth. Only them. <laughs> of all the, uh, if we were to take this literally, of all the young ladies in uh, Meryton, <laughs> only Jane and Elizabeth are able to do tasks as basic as eat, drink, and sleep. Yeah, I guess the rest are just starving and unable to sleep and can't go about their usual days. This seems. This is actually kind of interesting. I never really thought about it, but this seems to indicate that other. Uh, young ladies are like having fun going out and having fun with the soldiers in addition to kitty and lydia that's true yeah we only get a look at like the bennett household but you gotta remember there's like more houses around the neighborhood with young girls probably if you're a young girl 
lives at home, hardly ever sees society. Yeah, that's probably going to be really exciting to you <laughs> to have the army in town, right? <laughs> yeah. And you're going to be disappointed when you see them leave. Yeah. Very frequently were Elizabeth and Jane reproached for this insensibility by Kitty and Lydia, whose own misery was extreme and who could not comprehend such hard-heartedness in any of the family. What? How, so they're just like... Yeah, yeah. Well, what does insensibility mean? Just like how they're so insensitive uh-huh. um, to the 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 income the you know impending exit of the regiment they think the world is ending and like jane and elizabeth are like discussing normal matters and like yeah. living their life and they're like how dare you where's your sensitivity yeah you know? how dare you eat and drink and sleep and go about your usual day don't you know that the army, the military is leaving? Uh, that we're dying here. <laughs> that all the charming young men are going to leave town soon. <laughs> Good heaven! What is to become of us? What are we to do? Would they often explain, exclaim in the bitterness of woe? They, who's they? Like, Lydia. Yeah. This but, sounds like Lydia. But it's also uh-huh. hilarious. Like, would they often exclaim? Like, in unison? Like, in unison? <laughs> like, are they both saying this like together i think it's at like different times they're saying like different things that amount to this meaning oh totally it goes Uh in line with like the universal aspect it's like the dejection was universal as if like the all of the other women are it's not it's like not even just kitty and lydia it's all of the other miserable women saying good heaven what is to become of us what are we to do uh now i'm thinking about it more this could be uh this use of, like, generalization here, this use of all is maybe tapping a little bit into Kitty and Lydia's psychology. Like, to them, of course, everyone is, like, dreading this, <laughs> right? Yeah. How can you be so... How can you be smiling so, Lizzie? This so, is what they also this, say. Uh, yeah, this is what this they say to Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, what are we to do? And then I love this. They often exclaim, in the bitterness of woe. <laughs> how can you be smiling so, Lizzie? Their affectionate mother shared all their grief. Mm-hmm. She remembered what she had herself endured on a similar occasion five and twenty years ago. Oh. So a flashback into Mrs. Bennett's past. Twenty-five years ago, when Mrs. Bennett was a teenager, she went through <laughs> something similar. I'm, sh- I'm sure, said Mrs. Bennett, I cried for two days together when Colonel, Milla- Colonel Millar's regiment went away. I thought I should have broke my heart. Uh, wow. This is I like this little peek into Mrs. Bennett's history. Yeah, young spry Mrs. Bennett. Back when there was a Colonel Millar, you know. The fact that she even remembers the colonel's name is indicative of how um like how much of a a landmark moment this was in her life that when the regiment came when she was a teenager. Uh-huh. And this is, you know, Kitty, I'm sorry, rather, Lydia is Mrs. Bennett 2.0. And Mrs. <laughs> Bennett knows that. That's why they're so close. And yeah. also, we're going to see Mrs. Bennett, because of this history, because the fact that she, like, watched the military, watched the army come and go, and didn't, like, bag a single one, right? <laughs> because of this, I think she's going to, through the rest of the chapter, be trying to live vicariously through Lydia. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so she goes... I thought I should have broke my heart. Mm, that's and, what Mrs. Bennett said. Yeah, and Lydia goes, I am sure I shall break mine. <laughs> <laughs> if one could but go to Brighton, observed Mrs. Bennett. If only one, if only it was possible to go to Brighton, right? <laughs> she probably said that extra loud uh, towards the library. Uh, there's an exclamation point, yes. yeah. 
Oh, yes, if one but could but go to Brighton, but Papa is so disagreeable. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett says, a little sea bathing would set me up forever. I kind of am inclined to agree in the same way that, like, that brief encounter with Colonel Millar's regiment set Mrs. Bennett up for life. Uh, I think maybe this little sea bathing at this new regiment was set up Mrs. Bennett's life for, for the <laughs> after that, uh, yeah. I get to uh, wade into the ocean a little. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, here the thing is, it was true at that time that it was a commonly held belief that like ocean water was healing, that it, like made you healthier. Yeah. But okay, so Austin's kind of playing with that. Uh, I don't think that's the real reason Mrs. Bennett wants to go to Brighton no. to mm-hmm. get a little bathing, a little no. seawater. <laughs> but I kind of just like the the image evoked by it, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Mrs. Bennett in like a striped one piece, laying down a towel. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's got to undress to get into the ocean. I feel like there's like kind of some sexual <laughs> implications here. Oh, yeah. But no. it's also great. Just like way, like huge uses of generalization. Uh, or just, like, overstatement, uh, hyperbole, saying, like, set me up forever. And also, it's just so, like, colloquial-sounding. Like, little sea bathing, that's gonna set me up for life, right? <laughs> yeah. And my Aunt Phillips is sure it would do me a great deal of good, added Kitty. Thanks, Kitty. Aunt Phillips, okay. Aunt Phillips approves, so yeah. what else do we need, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do kind of, to your point about how, like, Mrs. Bennett and Lydia are so close, they are both just sort of, like building on each other's grief here and then kitty just kind of trying to like get her say in too she's like trying to sneak her own little like mm, yeah i, I like think that. i would have a good time too but uh-huh. i feel like this is clearly the lydia and mrs bennett show here and kitty is just like the third wheel that's a great point yeah so mrs bennett says i when colonel millar's regiment went away like i was i was sure i would have I, I thought I would have broken my heart, right? Mm-hmm. And Lydia's like, I'm sure I'm going to break mine. <laughs> and then Mrs. Bennett's like, if we could just go to Brighton. And Lydia's like, yeah, only if we could go to Brighton. Like, she's repeating everything that Mrs. Bennett's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Kitty also wants to be like, yeah, I think I also would benefit from going to Brighton. Yeah, and, and my Aunt Phillips <laughs> is sure it would do me okay. italicized. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. and, a great deal of good. And then... Like, if it if that wasn't telling, then, like, the conversation kind of ends there. It's, like, crickets. <laughs> and I think the that kind of, like, makes it clear that who they were really... Who Mrs. Bennett and K- uh, Lydia were really talking about was Lydia, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Kitty is kind of whatever. Mm, sorry, Kitty. Uh-huh. Such were the kind of lamentations resounding perpetually through Longbourn House. Elizabeth tried to be diverted by them, but all sense of pleasure was lost in shame. Okay, what does it mean when it says Elizabeth tried to be diverted by these, the lamentations that she hears throughout Longbourn? Was she trying to, like, distract herself with these lamentations? I I think it means she's trying to laugh at them. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's trying to, divert is another word for, like, amused. Mm. Like, she she tried to laugh at them. She would try to be amused by, like, how ridiculous everyone's being, right? Right. But all sense of pleasure was lost in shame. But she was too ashamed of her family to, like, think it was funny. Yeah. Oof. She felt anew the justice of Mr. Darcy's objections. And never had she before been so disposed, so much disposed, to pardon his interference in the views of his friend. Ooh. And who's that? Mr. Bingley. (laughs) The Bing boy. (laughs) Yeah, so... In, like, witnessing this back and forth with the, with Lydia, with Mrs. Bennett, with Kitty, at any other point in her life, she might have been, like, 
like you know laughing at this this spectacle but now she has this new context which is actually just mr darcy's uh, objections to this family and any kind of pleasure that she would have derived from watching her family is now lost in shame okay yeah i'm getting a little ahead of ourselves here but how do you think mr bennett reacts when he hears like these lamentations around the house mr bennett yeah i think he's also finding them hilarious i think he he does he genuinely finds yeah. them hilarious and has no like he doesn't, doesn't have think that the, he, yeah he doesn't uh, have the shame associated uh, with them he doesn't think oh like he just thinks they're funny he doesn't think <laughs> they're gonna hurt me in any way right yeah and now i think before the darcy proposal maybe elizabeth would have been able to laugh at mrs bennett and lydia with a little bit of a clearer conscience right mm -hmm. but now she knows it's actually it's not only hurting herself but it's hurting like her family especially jane i yeah. think that really makes it like drives on the point like oh there's real consequences to lydia being ridiculous and mm -hmm. i see it because jane's already been hurt by it right yeah so to the, to the point where she feels so ashamed by it now that she she is inclined to um like pardon darcy for interfering in the match between bingley and jane she's like oh i kind of get where he's coming from like seeing my family in this new light uh, like i don't blame him for trying to keep bingley away from this family yeah i never before i just thought it was funny but now i'm like uh oh like uh oh consequences <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i guess it's not like i don't know i guess i should do something about it mm. i think in this moment especially this conversation that's about to follow between elizabeth and mr bennett we see elizabeth has now matured past her father yeah you're right i think you're right it's sort of like mr bennett is sort of at this stage of like arrested development where he can't take any more responsibility he's just at a even at just he's just at a point in his life where he's like not going to change anymore mm. and perhaps had elizabeth not been proposed to so terribly and had all of her family's like sins brought front and center she probably would have kind of grown up to be like mr bennett uh-huh or and, she would have yeah go ahead and yeah like she uh -huh. would not have um realized like the consequences of having a ridiculous family just like mr bennett still doesn't realize the consequences of having a ridiculous family and it's ultimately i think that ultimately comes down to mr bennett it's a lot of <laughs> mrs bennett's fault for being so ridiculous herself yeah but mr bennett is just like happy to sit back and like laugh at the people he's closest <laughs> to in life right <laughs> yeah oh man okay okay yeah well i'm sorry i was definitely getting ahead of ourselves but yeah so we got a little bit else more to talk about before we get there mm. but the gloom of lydia's prospect was shortly cleared away for she received an invitation from mrs forster the wife of the colonel of the regiment to accompany her to brighton dun, 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 dun. Mm. The, that's that's just the golden ticket for lydia right there this invaluable friend <laughs> was a very young woman and very lately married. Mm -hmm. A resemblance in good humor and good spirits had recommended her and Lydia to each other. And out of their three months acquaintance, they had been intimate too. Yes. So all of Lydia's problems have been solved. Yes. The, the clouds have parted. She's being offered a lifeboat in the form of an invitation to Brighton. This is better for Lydia than going with the Bennets. Oh my god, She gets to yeah. go with the wife of the colonel. The wife of the colonel. Uh -huh. And she's not going to have any competition there. It's, she's not going to be her and four other single 
Bennett daughters. It's going to be her and her alone. Uh -huh, exactly. And yeah, and then we get this thing, this more information about Mrs. Uh, Forrester, yes. who is probably not very much older than Lydia herself. Yeah, no, don't let the Mrs. confuse you. Like, Mrs. Forster was a very young woman and very lately married. Let's say, like, early 20s. I don't want to think too lowly of Colonel Forster, <laughs> I guess. I mean, remember what happened a couple of chapters ago? Lydia's story about, like, fucking around in Meriton and getting a getting one of the soldiers to dress up in ladies' clothing. She did that with Mrs. Forster. Uh -huh. So... If you think Mrs. Forster is going to be a good, reliable, mature um, companion to Lydia, you're in for some really tragic news. Ooh, Mrs. Forster is now an interesting character I wish we could actually meet. Yeah. But I, could, I just imagine her as like this like young woman who has this actually very powerful title. Yeah, you're right. Uh, she is the wife of a colonel, but she's also young and, as we've seen, immature and even impulsive still as a married woman. So okay, but then here we find out why they get along, why Lydia and Mrs. Forrester get along so well. Because they have a resemblance in good humor and good spirits. Yeah, had recommended. So I like I like that it almost like personifies good humor and good spirits because they had recommended Mrs. Forrester and Lydia to each other. Mm. And good humor and good spirits that is not the same as morality. <laughs> yeah, no. good humor is like I like to have fun, and good spirits is I like to have fun, right? <laughs> like you're not a downer, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Almost, yeah, I think good humor, the underbelly of good humor, is like maybe you can be cruel and mean, mm. and good spirits can be like, well, you just are pretty. Um, you're not very deep, maybe. Yeah, and then, like frivolity. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, frivolous. Uh, exactly. Uh -huh, Depends both these. And out of yeah. the three months' acquaintance, they had been intimate two. Mm. So three, two, three and two are both italicized, like emphasizing their importance in this sentence. So yeah. why, Grace, why do you think Austin chooses to do this? So we talked about this a little bit earlier. So I think it's just meant to highlight just how um, kind of frivolous their their relationship has been. How kind of I mean they. They've only known each other for three months, mm -hmm. and they have been intimate for two of those months. So they're not close. They're not close, like long. F they're not long-term friends. They're not very close. They just, they just both have good humor and good spirits. Yeah, yeah. They've been in the same like general society for three months. Yeah. And out of those two, they've been good friends. Yes. So, so uh, yeah, so let's not think of them as this as like a very deep and meaningful connection between Lydia and Mrs. Forster. Yeah, I, I think that's Austin being sarcastic or like really driving home the point that they don't know each other very long. Mm. I also think you said something about how this could be what? I could very imagine, well imagine Lydia like saying this also, like out of the three months that we've known each other, like we've been intimate too. <laughs> like <laughs> look if, at those, uh, look at that percentage, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As if that was something to like applaud for. <laughs> like of all the time we've known each other, we've been really good friends for the most of it. <laughs> Maybe it is that sort of like um, a point of pride for Lydia to be like, look how quickly I can make friends to the point where like out of only three months acquaintance and two months of being intimate, I got an invitation exactly. to go with Mrs. Forster to Brighton. That's a really good point. Yeah, it could be emphasizing how how skillful Lydia is at being a social climber. Yeah, totally. I think 
Yeah, I think that's another way to read this. Okay. The rapture of Lydia on this occasion, and her adoration of Mrs. Forster, the delight of Mrs. Bennet, and the mortification of Kitty are scarcely to be described. Okay, let's just break this down. <laughs> the rapture of Lydia, right, her extreme, like, rapturous joy... <laughs> Her adoration of Mr. Mrs. Forrester. Oh, I'm sure if she just kind of, like, enjoyed Mrs. Forrester's company prior to this invitation, her now newfound, like, love for Mrs. Forrester has increased, like, a thousand percent. Ah, uh, definitely. The delight of Mrs. Bennet Aww. and the mortification of Kitty Aww. are scarcely to be described, meaning <laughs> just, like overflowing all these feelings are unbounding right i gotta uh, say there's so much um there's so much estrogen in this chapter i feel like why do you say that well just like with just so much like female like horniness in this chapter <laughs> which we can also will which we'll we'll see later on but there's just it's just all about women flirting with boys now just it's all about like the the tragedy of all of the young eligible men leaving leaving town and then now Kitty or Kitty yeah, Lydia yeah. has gotten this invitation to go with the boys to Brighton it's just like there's so much like pure like hormones or like raging hormones in this chapter I feel like these are both teenage girls too yeah, uh -huh. yeah. so they're feeling everything times a million and Mrs. Bennett has not matured much past <laughs> being a teenager herself <laughs> you're right exactly uh -huh. okay um wholly unattentive to her sister's feelings Lydia flew about the house in restless ecstasy, calling for everyone's congratulations and laughing and talking with more violence than ever. Whilst the luckless Kitty continued in the parlor repining at her fate in terms as unreasonable as her accent was peevish. Uh, all right, that's Austin breaking in at the end of the paragraph. Or maybe even Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, her accent is like her tone of voice. So I like that. Lydia has no concern for Kitty. If anything, she is like taking joys and throwing oh, this in her face. Absolutely. She is 100% uh, bragging about this to Kitty. She's flying about the house in ecstasy and she's asking everyone to be like, hey, congratulate me. Look at this invitation I scored. <laughs> <laughs> you where's my congratulations you, you haven't th uh you know congratulated me yet yeah <laughs> laughing and talking with more violence than ever so think about every scene we've seen with lydia so far i kind of feel like this is also like laughing and you're right yeah like laughing and talking with more violence than lydia has ever exhibited and we've seen a lot of violence uh, and laughter come from lydia so she's just like beside herself mm -hmm. foaming out the mouth i think <laughs> pretty uh, much yeah yeah <laughs> And then more violence than ever. That's such a great word, too. Yeah. She's, like, thrashing about, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then whilst, at the same time, I, while, I think that whilst is intentionally melodramatic. <laughs> yeah. Whilst the luckless kitty continued in the parlor, repining at her fate in terms, like, in words and phrases... As unreasonable as her accent was peevish or, like, <laughs> pouty, right? Yeah. Or, I like that. So, yeah, Kitty, poor Kitty, down on her luck now with, yeah, like, it, it's like the luckless Kitty. Like, if Lydia had all the luck in the world, then Kitty had none of the luck. She has thrown herself on the on a sofa in the parlor, right? Yeah, probably, uh -huh. like, her hand over her forehead. Yeah, just... exactly. <laughs> Repining at her fate. And in, then, yeah. Yeah, in terms... In words and phrases, as as unreasonable mm -hmm. as her tone of voice 
was annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like whining and moaning. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yep. So this is like now we are. This is Austin just like telling it how it is, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like she was being as like moody and pouty as Kitty's being. She's also being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's like those two like theater masks, like the suit, the happy mask and the the comedy mask and the tragedy mask. It's like Lydia right now is is the the comedy mask and um, Kitty is the the um, tragedy mask. Uh, yeah, that, just, exactly. Yeah. I always found those kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, well, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Reason. Good point. Uh, <laughs> all right. I cannot see why Mrs. Forrester should not ask me as well as Lydia said. Kitty, though I am not her, though I am not her particular friend. <laughs> Okay, so she says, I cannot see why Mrs. Forrester should ask should not ask me as well as Lydia, even though I'm not Mrs. Forrester's particular friend. Mm. So that's where I guess the um, unreasonable terms comes in. Where it's uh, like, she's like, Mrs. For- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, just sort of like, well, Mrs. Forrester should have asked me too, even though we weren't that close. But still, uh-huh. <laughs> I have just as much right to be asked as Lydia has, and more too, for I am two years older. Mm. That's got to sting a little bit for Kitty. Mm. Okay, well, so first she, yeah, it's ridiculous that she thinks that Mrs. Forrester should ask her just out of a sense of fairness, I guess, even though they're not really friends. Yeah. But it is kind of reasonable to be like, I've been, like, it just does, it's not fair, right? <laughs> like, I'm older than Lydia. She has to wait her turn. Yeah. Uh it's not, I don't know, she's just, like, being kind of uh, blithe to how the world works, like, thinking that the world is fair, I guess. I guess that's true, too, yeah. And also, we don't know if, I mean, if Kitty does indeed follow Lydia around everywhere, then I think, like, in all of the, like, shenanigans that Lydia and Mrs. Forrester got up to, like, Kitty's there, too. Perhaps she's not, like, actively contributing to what's going on, but she probably felt, like, just by virtue of being there she deserved to also get the get an invitation but maybe this is also a clue to like mrs forster's like impropriety like mm. she maybe she may, like maybe to kitty's point mrs forster should have invited the two of them uh-huh. so i think it's also maybe not unfair to uh assume that if people like if people don't know their ages that they would just think that lydia is the older one yeah you're right. Lydia is such an alpha that uh, I think people might just assume she's the older <laughs> one. Okay. All right. But anyway, let's continue. Okay. In vain did Elizabeth attempt to make Kitty reasonable and Jane to make her resigned. So <laughs> this is why I think that might be this like sentence that says uh, Kitty was being as unreasonable as she was peevish. <laughs> because then here's Elizabeth and she's trying to make her reasonable. Yeah. In vain did Elizabeth attempt to make Kitty le- reasonable and in vain did Jane uh, attempt to make her resign to her fate. <laughs> as for Elizabeth herself, this invitation was so far from exciting in her the same feelings as in her mother and Lydia that she considered it as the death warrant of all possibility of common sense for the latter. Mm. All right, let's pause for a second. Okay. So, uh, as for Elizabeth herself, how she feels about this invitation, mm. it is so far from exciting in her the same feelings that Mrs. Bennett and Lydia are feeling. Yeah. And she, here, here's how, yeah, here's how far from, from... Um, here's how far her feelings are from her mother's and Lydia's. Right. Lydia and her mother are elated. And Elizabeth is, this is how far from elated Elizabeth is. 
She believes that Lydia going on this visit to Brighton is the death warrant of all possibility of Lydia ever having any common sense. So she's like, this is <laughs> the death warrant is a great <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> like yeah. she, uh, she probably, they probably got like a, a letter in the mail and that letter might as well have Mrs. Forster essentially signed Lydia's Lydia's common sense is death warrant. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Forster is the judge, and she has sentenced Lydia's common sense to be hung, right? <laughs> yeah. This is, okay, but basically, Elizabeth feels that if Lydia goes to Brighton, she's never going to have any common sense at all. Mm. And detestable as such a step must make her, were it known, she could not help secretly advising her father not to let her go. Mm. All right. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, you want to talk about that? Sure. And detest detestable as such a step must make Elizabeth, were it known, detestable to Lydia. To Lydia and Mrs. Bennet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Were, it, were it known. Elizabeth could not help secretly advising her father not to let Lydia go. Th- this sentence is just a little, the like, l- the, the chronology is flipped a little bit. Yeah. Really? The step is telling her father. Mm-hmm. So ba- you could also read it. Elizabeth could not help secretly advising Mr. Bennett not to let Lydia go. Detestable as such as, as such this step must make her to Mrs. Bennett and Lydia if they ever found out, right? Yes. yeah. So if they... <laughs> Elizabeth goes and tells Mr. Bennett, hey, this is a bad idea. Even though if Mrs. Bennett and Lydia ever found out that Elizabeth had this conversation, they would detest her forever, right? <laughs> and why would why would they detest Elizabeth for doing this? Well, because they see this as, like, the greatest thing of all time. The greatest opportunity for Lydia of all time. And maybe even Mrs. Bennett by, by proxy. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett would be like, why are you trying to ruin your sister's life, right? Yeah. Why are you trying to kill me? <laughs> I've already lost one son-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, two son-in-laws, because <laughs> Bingley and Collins. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah good point. <laughs> Imagine all the potential son-in-laws. Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Bennett <laughs> regrets at night. <laughs> Elizabeth represented to Mr. Bennett all the improprieties of Lydia's general behavior, the little advantage Lydia could derive from the friendship of such a woman as Mrs. Forrester, and the probability of Lydia being yet more imprudent with such a companion at Brighton, where temptations must be greater than at home. Hmm. So she goes to Mr. B, and she tells him about generally just, like, how inappropriate Lydia always acts, right? I, yeah. It's like, hey, I don't know if you know this, Dad, (laughs) but your youngest daughter is making a mockery of this family. Uh, This is a hard conversation for a daughter to be having with a father. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, she's fucking, she's not the mom. She's not the, she's not Lydia's keeper. Like, yeah, it's so, it's such a flipped, like, yeah, it's such a flipped, um, like, responsive, like, act of responsibleness. Yeah, so she tells Mr. Bennett she represents to him all the improprieties of Lydia's general behavior. She also tells Mr. Bennett that Lydia could gain very little advantage from having the friendship of Mrs. Forrester, right? Mm -hmm. The little advantage she could derive from the friendship of such a woman as Mrs. Forrester. Such a woman, the implication being like bad news, right? Mm -hmm. Such a woman as Mrs. Forrester. (laughs) And finally, Elizabeth told her father about the probability of Lydia being yet more imprudent 
like being more responsible at having a companion such as Mrs. Forrester while in the city of Brighton where temptations must be greater than at home mm. because that there's is, even more soldiers there, right? Yeah, that's a, that's an understatement that Lydia would get into more trouble. Or, sorry, Lydia would be more tempted at Brighton than at home. Yeah, Brighton is full of soldiers. It's bigger than Meryton. And also, like, what little, like, restraint, I don't know, family and connections ever had in Lydia's life would be would not be there in Brighton, right? Mm. In fact, they'd be replaced by this woman, Mrs. Forrester, who seems to <laughs> encourage, like, whatever Lydia wants to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mr. Bennett heard her attentively and then said... Lydia will never be easy till she has exposed herself in some public place or other, and we can never expect her to do it with so little expense or inconvenience to her family as under the present circumstances. It's one of my favorite speeches of Mr. <laughs> Bennett of all time. Well, okay, so this is important because I want to go back to what Elizabeth was just saying. She's like, she tells her father all these things. Lydia has been acting badly, like, I don't trust this Mrs. Forrester. Like, you can't let her go to Brighton, where there's going to be so many temptations, and her only guardian is going to be this Mrs. Forrester, right? Mm-hmm. And what Mr. Bennett tells her, in essence, is, yeah, I know all those things. Like, I'm aware of all that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why do you think I'm sending her there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, 100% aware of everything. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just going to let her go. Okay. <laughs> because, and here's the reason... Uh, yes, I know everything you're telling me, and the reason I'm going to let her go is because Lydia will never be easy till she has exposed herself in some public place or other. So she's just going to keep bothering him. Lydia yeah. will keep bothering Mr. Bennett until he lets her, like, expose herself, right? Yeah. Make a mockery of herself. Pretty much, yeah. In some public place or other. So Lydia has to do it. Like, Lydia just has to publicly expose herself, and there's no stopping her, right? Mm. And we can never expect Lydia to expose herself publicly with so little expense (laughs) or inconvenience to her family, to me, Mr. Bennett, (laughs) than under the present circumstances... Yeah. So Lydia's gonna make a fool of herself, and this is the most convenient way for me to let her do it, right? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be cheap, and it's gonna be in. It's gonna be um, convenient for me. I don't have to bring the whole family to Brighton, right? Mm-hmm. Someone else is gonna bring her. Maybe I'll give Lydia some spending money. Yeah. And I don't have to do anything, and I can sit here the whole time, right? It's crazy that, like, I mean, Mr. Bennett essentially sees this as an opportunity for himself, like. Mrs. B- yeah, actually, Mr. and Mrs. Bennett both want Lydia to go on this trip for completely different reasons. Yes. But... Okay, well, why does Mrs. Bennett want Lydia to go on this trip? Because she thinks... Well, A, she's living vicariously through Lydia, well, Lydia's going to capture the youth that Mrs. Bennett lost, right? <laughs> and she thinks it's going to be a great time for her. She sees no problem in it, and she wants Lydia to have a good time. And maybe she'll come away with a husband, oh, right? Oh, yeah, maybe she'll come uh-huh. home, she'll bag a red coat husband. <laughs> and then he'll take care of her. <laughs> okay, and why does Mr. Bennett want Lydia to go? Because Lydia just, he wants Lydia to kind of be shamed publicly. He wants her to be publicly mortified, thinking that that will, like, change her in some way okay all right well that's one option yeah Yeah. so lydia is gonna you know there's no stopping her she's gonna make a public spectacle of herself we gotta just let her do it and then she'll learn right Mm -hmm. and 
you know, this trip, it's great. It's a good opportunity for her to do that because it's cheap and I don't have to bring the whole family with me. I don't have to do jack shit, right? Yeah, you know? essentially. I think option B, and maybe this will be wrong, maybe I'll be eating these words, is Lydia's going to do it anyway. I can't stop her and it'll be amusing. Yeah. Maybe I can laugh at her some more, right? <laughs> So this is, I don't have to do anything, it's cheap for me, Lydia's gonna make a f spectacle of herself anyway, and then it'll be another thing to laugh at her about. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's keep <sighs> going. You want to read, Elizabeth? If you are aware, said Elizabeth, of the very great disadvantage to us all, which must arise from the public notice of Lydia's unguarded and imprudent manner, nay, which has already risen from it, I am sure you would judge differently in the affair. What is Elizabeth saying here? So Elizabeth is kind of giving Mr. Bennett the benefit of the doubt here. She's saying like, well, if you're aware that what Lydia is going to do, Lydia's like public humiliation is going to like make, is going to disadvantage all of us, not just her, but like the whole family. Like, I'm sure you would, I'm sure you would reconsider letting her go. Dad, <laughs> that's what she's saying. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. She's going to like really damage the reputation of the whole family, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Lydia's unguarded and prudent manner, you know, it's going to, uh, the great disadvantage to us, which must arise from Lydia's behavior, nay, which has already arisen from Lydia's behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And Mr. Bennett says, already arisen, repeated Mr. Bennett? What? Has she frightened away some of your lovers? Poor little Lizzie. But do not be cast down. Such squeamish youths as cannot bear to be connected with a little absurdity are not worth a regret. Come, let me see the list of the pitiful fellows who have been kept aloof by Lydia's folly. Oh, boy. <laughs> so Mr. Bennett does sort of just cut to the chase of it all. It's like Elizabeth is talking about the disadvantages that would come to the family with Lydia's bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Bennett sees immediately... She's talking about marriage. Yeah, she's talking about, like, what Darcy's saying. Like, a young uh, man of society is not going to be want to be connected with Lydia. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and uh, Elizabeth yeah. is trying to say, like, yeah, it, like, um, yeah, the advantage not only will rise, but has risen yeah, as a result uh, of Lydia. the family already has been hurt. Yeah, yeah. and Mr. Ben is like, what? <laughs> it's at once, like, joking and dismissive, but also kind of incisive. Like, he sees, like, oh, well, this is one strong implication, mm. is that it's going to hurt suitors. But it is also kind of like, oh, I'm not taking this seriously, you know? Yeah, he literally is like, oh, has she frightened away some of your lovers? He's like, I imagine he's, like, elbowing her right now. Uh. <laughs> yeah, poor little Lizzie. <laughs> and then I, I, I love this line, though. Such squeamish youths as cannot bear to be connected with a little absurdity are not worth a regret. <laughs> Darcy is definitely a squeamish youth. <laughs> and Bingley. I don't think Bingley was a squeamish youth, though. Remember? <sighs> He's a little squeamish in how he lets Darcy Well, I'm thinking... Him. Well, I read squeamish as, like, like oh, prone to, like, e being easily, like, nauseated. So, like, Darcy is squeamish in that, like, his, his big, um deterrent from marrying lizzie was that was her family yeah well he saw her family and i do think god nauseous probably <laughs> i'm sure lydia makes him want to throw yeah, up yeah but right? i don't think bingley falls into this category no that's true i guess not i guess he i just like he lets himself be convinced by darcy yeah but i guess he will tolerate a, a little absurdity right i kind of think he didn't even notice like i think that's true in yeah, the, yeah in the letter darcy said that 
the one final nail in the coffin for Bingley to leave Jane was to tell him that Jane didn't care about him. Uh-huh. So I don't think Bingley cared about the family. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting because this is uh, this is the marriage that this uh, that Lydia's kind of ruined already. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. So yeah. But again, it's the squeamish youth Darcy who convinced the I guess unsqueamish youth Bingley to to leave. Um, and yeah, I kind of sort of like if they can't take a joke. They're not worth it. <laughs> or if they can't learn to just, like, laugh at Lydia, yeah. then, like, you're not, you don't want to marry them, yeah. right? If they can't be a little bit more like me, Mr. Bennett, then you're yeah. not, you shouldn't be interested in them. To quote uh, Mamma Mia, screw them if they can't take a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't remember that one. But... <laughs> and then it's, um, um, I think it's Dancing Queen. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All we'll right. have to, we'll listen to it after this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Grace. Okay. Uh, yeah, such squeamish youths, such squeamish youths as cannot bear to be connected with a little absurdity, are not worth the regret. And then, like more joking, come show me the list of the pitiful fellows who Lydia's folly has driven away. Right? Yeah, maybe not a list, but definitely one big, one big fellow, one big important fellow, which is Bingley, who had been kept aloof because of Lydia. Yeah, but Elizabeth's not gonna. No, she's not gonna bring that, that up. Yeah, mm. yeah, she's definitely not gonna mention Darcy. But what does Elizabeth say? I also well, just I also like. <laughs> I like that. I like the image of Mister Bennet considering Darcy to be a youth. Like, I feel like Darcy is the most imposing figure in this whole book, and uh, he's referring to him as a squeamish, a squeamish youth. <laughs> yeah, well, he doesn't know he's talking about Darcy I know in he, particular, yeah, but, but it does seem to describe Darcy fairly accurately. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth goes, indeed, you are mistaken. I have no such injuries to resent. So she's like, I'm not injured by Lydia's folly. Which is true. Mm -hmm. Not me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is not of peculiar, but of general evils, which I am now complaining. And I I think when she says peculiar, it's not like, that's another way you could say that it's like individual. Right. Or like, it's not specific. Yeah. Uh, She's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not just this one specific evil, which is, um scaring away eligible men uh-huh. but of general evils yeah yeah which i'm now telling you about uh-huh. yeah our importance our respectability in the world must be affected by the wild volatility the assurance and disdain of all restraint which mark lydia's character yeah so the family's respectability is gonna be hurt by the wild volatility what is volatility like just like in like impulsiveness, uh-huh. you know, wildness, I wildness, guess, right? Yeah. So our family's gonna, it's gonna be hurt by the wild volatility, the assurance, like the confidence that Lydia has in herself as she does every all these things, <laughs> and the disdain of all restraint, which are the three elements that make up Lydia's character. Yes, these three vices which create this monster that is Lydia. Uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> this is a, Lydia's three main vices: her wildness, her total confidence in herself. And her disdain of all restraint. <laughs> yes, this is what makes the Frankenstein's monster uh-huh. that is Lydia. Excuse me, for I must speak plainly. If you, my dear father, will not take the trouble of checking her exuberant spirits and of teaching her that her present pursuits are not to be the business of her life, she will soon be beyond the reach of amendment. All right. So what is Elizabeth saying in this sentence? She, well, she knows. She's, she's prefacing it by being like, I'm sorry to be blunt, but I'm going to essentially tell you how to raise your daughter Mm -hmm. which is that if you don't 
check her spirits, her exuberant spirits. And if you don't teach her that chasing after men very publicly is not is not the business of her life, is not supposed to be the most important thing in her life, then she will soon be beyond the reach of amendment. She will like not you can't you can't raise her anymore. She you won't be able to help her. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, she'll be too far gone, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, her character will be fixed, and she will, at 16, be the most determined flirt that ever made herself and her family ridiculous. Wow. Yikes. A flirt, too, in the worst and meanest degree of flirtation, without any attraction beyond youth and a tolerable person. <laughs> so wow, not this only this she, is hard. I know. Yeah. Not only she's going to be a flirt, but she's going to be the worst kind of flirt because she's not going to have anything going for her other than the fact that she's young uh -huh. and has a tolerable... Physical appearance. And she's pretty, yeah. A yeah. tolerable person. She doesn't even allow it that she's pretty. She has a tolerable person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're she's right. she's pretty enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's young and she is tolerable enough. Uh -huh. And from the ignorance and emptiness of her mind, yikes, wholly unable to ward off any portion of that universal contempt which her rage for admiration will excite. Ooh, okay, okay. So Lydia's gonna be, if you don't help her now, Mr. Bennett, Lydia's gonna become the most determined flirt that ever made herself and her family ridiculous, right? <laughs> the worst kind of flirt, too, because she doesn't have any attraction beyond being young and, and like, kind of good-looking. <laughs> like, she's not smart at all, right? She's an airhead. Yeah. And from the ignorance and emptiness of her mind, wholly unable to ward off any portion of that universal contempt which her rage for admiration will excite... So this is why she's going to be too far gone, I think, right? Mm. Because she's so she's so ignorant and airheaded that she's going to be wholly unable to like do anything about society's contempt for her that she's going to bring upon herself by with her rage for admiration. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, like once once like once the world turns on Lydia for being the way that she is, she's not going to be able to deal with it. And the, okay, well, let's finish this passage, and then we'll talk about it more, I guess. Okay. In this danger, Kitty is also comprehended. She will follow wherever Lydia leads, vain, ignorant, idle, and absolutely uncontrolled. Oh, my dear father, can you suppose it possible that they will not be censured and despised wherever they are known, and that their sisters will not be often involved in the disgrace? So, okay. There's some double negatives here in this very last sentence. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's like, it's not just Lydia's who who's at stake here. It's also Kitty, because she does everything Lydia does. Mm -hmm. Yep. And can you suppose it possible that Kitty and Lydia will not be censured and despised wherever they are known? So can you possibly imagine, Mr. Bennett, a universe, if everything keeps going the way it is, where Kitty and Lydia are not going to be basically outcast from society, right? Right, and that their sisters will not be often involved in the disgrace. So now she's talking also about herself and Jane and maybe Mary. <laughs> she's like, yeah, they're going to be the fucking public humiliation of the town. They're going to be public enemy number one, and they're going to bring us down with them. Uh-huh. If everything keeps going as it is now, there's no way that will not happen. Mm. That's what Elizabeth's saying. Yeah, yeah, because she's speaking from experience, which Mr. Bennett is wholly ignorant of because he's not involved in his family's life at all. But Elizabeth is speaking from experience, having witnessed it firsthand with the breakup and of Elizabeth... Oh, sorry, of Jane and Bingley, and in her own proposal from Darcy. These are two clear examples of what happens when you're, like, even though you and your sister are perfectly fine people, it's like the family is 
what will prevent them from getting good marriages. Uh, and I mean, this is, it's like, it's kind of difficult as modern readers sometimes to penetrate into, like, the, the crisis of Lydia. And slash, you know, we... It's not fair, but at that time, like, women weren't really supposed to express their sexuality. Mm. And if they did, you could face the censure of society, which had real consequences and was, like, not a joke, you know? Right, right. Uh, I think you can sort of, maybe modern audiences can sort of relate to the, like, yes, we are sort of, like, at a time where you obviously are not representative of your family, but... Like, if you learned that a person you were dating or something comes from, like, a really shitty family or, like, they have, like, I don't know, like, beliefs that you don't agree with or, like, that they are ignorant in some ways or whatever, then, like, you might have to consider your future with the person you're dating. Like, that's something to consider seriously. Yes, that's true. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's also that... We, we're just not so obsessed with family and connections, mm -hmm. but that's a, it, obviously it's a big thing at that time. But I, I was also speaking generally to like, what, well, what is this spectacle going to look like that Lydia makes of herself and like, yeah. what are the consequences of it? Right. And that's, it's just like, you were not supposed to, and we've talked about this before. You're really not supposed to flirt with more than one man. You're not, <laughs> you're only supposed to kiss one man in your entire life, really, you know, by yeah, the, no. by the, the rules of decorum. Not that people really follow that. This is pre-sex positivity, guys. We're living in a pre-sex positivity world especially right now. Especially for women, in yeah. This book. So, yeah, especially for women. Well, sex positivity has almost always been applied to women, but, like, yeah, especially in this book, it's... Yeah. Lydia is, is truly just, like, a true, real, like, embarrassment and... Um, embarrassment at best for her family, but, like, really, like, like a really dangerous... Um, dangerous kind of person to her family too yeah and i think this is why i mean it sounds really harsh some of the things that elizabeth are saying here mm. and i think you know she's taking on this tone to like try to drive home the seriousness to her father yeah and i <sighs> maybe it's also i kind of think maybe it really does lay out it gives it, it's almost like exposition for us readers to understand the gravity of what lydia's doing mm -hmm. well i've said this before i think austin is great and I think the reason she holds up so well is even when she's dealing with, like, elements of society that have, you know, faded in the past, she always clues you into the rules of this world, you know? Mm -hmm. and it, yeah, and so we know, I, I, it's easy to see the consequences. We kind of already know that, like, we already know the consequences of having a ridiculous family because we've seen what's happened with Bingley. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, none of this is new, none of this is news to us. Like we we've seen what happens when Lydia is you know unchained from her dungeon from her dungeon. But like, <laughs> and Lydia's an interesting character. I mean, maybe she would be valorized now for just her like total heedlessness of all like rules of decorum. You yeah, know? my favorite character, I think, if if not Elizabeth, I think is Lydia. Like she is. She, you're right. She would be a hero to everyone. <laughs> uh -huh. she is, yeah, she's a beacon of like women's independence in modern day society, but but that's modern society. Yeah, and so that's the reason why Elizabeth is taking such a harsh tone is because it's gonna hurt the family. It's gonna hurt her and Jane, and also like I don't know. The rules are, like, messed up, but Lydia is being, like, ridiculous. Lydia doesn't need to go on this trip, you know? <laughs> it also is kind of crazy. Like, 
this is something maybe where I'd have to sort of suspend my disbelief a little bit that Elizabeth, that Lydia can be so wild and so so disregard the rules of society even though she is like relatively highborn in the context of like Meriton like is she just so ignorant or just doesn't give a shit about the rules of society that she is acting this way like I think well what do you think I just I don't know it's like ha, like did her like yes they didn't have a governess but like has she just not been brought up to with any any sense of like decorum like maybe well miss with mr and mrs bennett i would say maybe not you know mm. yeah like, like she, really she, just... she didn't like get any from like society around her yeah i, I don't know i don't I think it's, like... She just is... I guess she's a I, product of, like, no one ever telling her no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think she's gotten away with everything up to yeah. this point somehow. Yeah, maybe you're and, right. And... Spoiler alert. She will continue to get away with pretty much everything. Lydia's gonna do pretty well. For yeah. Herself. Okay, for okay. herself. Let's not give it away. Okay. Let's not give all it right, away. All right, all right, But, all yeah, right. no, like... We'll see what, what Lydia gets in the end. But... You're like, yeah, like up until now, she's had 16 very cushy years with very little to distress or vex her to take from a different book. Mrs. Bennett barely understands the decorums of society. You no, know? you're also uh, right there. And Mr. Bennett maybe does, but also I feel like he's like totally apathetic as to like what, yeah. <laughs> how Lydia turns it's out. It's like this know? perfect storm of like an, like an apathetic father and a very encouraging mother and having been able to get away with all of your tomfoolery your entire life that has now brought us Lydia at 16 years of age and about to go to Brighton. <laughs> yeah, and I think, well, let's when we think about it like that, I think Elizabeth's words sound less harsh here. Mm. Like, I, I don't, I just want to, like, I don't know, I, I don't want to believe that uh, Elizabeth is, like, trying to slut shame like Lydia, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's more that... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think Elizabeth dislikes Lydia. I don't think she's trying to, like, cut her down or anything like that. I just think she's trying to demonstrate the consequences of letting someone like her keep going on the way she's going on. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. Uh, she's never... Yeah, we've never seen Elizabeth, like, not like Lydia. Well, she doesn't like Lydia. Well, she doesn't like Lydia, but we've never seen her, like, actively be against Lydia. She, she's, always, she's always just trying to, like, rein her in and tell her to, like, calm the fuck down. That's true. Yeah, it's this is for Lydia's own good mm -hmm. that she's saying this. And yeah. it, it's probably worthwhile to be, like, this wild 16-year-old who's never had any sort of discipline. Hey, maybe you should, like, try to teach her, like, a little <laughs> bit of reason, right? Yeah, like, hey, now is the time, now is the crucial point. There, like, the point of no return is coming up, and you, you need to do... He's, you, Mr. Bennett, need to do something about it. And don't litter, like, loose among, like, hundreds, if not thousands, of unscrupulous young men, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, I think it's pretty... I don't know. I don't want to speculate on what Austin thought of the army, but Wickham is our chief representative of the army in this book. Yeah, you're right, exactly. Uh, like... Mr. Wickham is is pretty is a pretty terrible guy, but it, we can imagine there are worse men out there than Mr. Wickham, certainly in this army. Uh -huh. And yeah, Lydia's young and impressionable. Don't like put her in the hands of Mrs. Forrester, who is clearly not like a responsible adult. Mm. And Mr. Ben is just like, well, what does he say? 
Okay, all right, yeah. So Elizabeth says all this. Mr. Bennett saw that her whole heart was in the subject and affectionately taking her hand said in reply, do not make yourself uneasy, my love. Wherever you and Jane are known, you must be respected and valued and you will not appear to less advantage for having a couple of, or I may say, three very silly sisters. <laughs> there, there is the one reference to Mary in this chapter. Oh my god. He almost forgot about her. <laughs> and he was like, oh wait, you have three silly sisters. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so, well, okay, we have... <laughs> I like how this actually starts out as a nice moment. Mr. Bennett sees, like, Elizabeth is actually very concerned. So he, like, takes her hand, and he's like, don't worry. So he's actually trying to reason with her now, even though this is bad logic. Mm -hmm. He's like, you and Jane are just so wise and bright and reasonable that you're going to be respected wherever you go, even though you have two very silly sisters. Oh, wait, you have three really silly <laughs> sisters. Oh, my God. Oh. All right, he continues to say, <laughs> and here we get into the meat of his argument about Lydia. We shall have no peace at Longbourn. If Lydia does not go to Brighton. I think that's at the heart of it. That's what Mr. Bennett wants. She's just going to keep bothering me. So let her do it. Yeah. And this is a good window into how he raises her. Like, gosh, you know, she's not going to get out of my hair until I just let her have whatever she wants. <laughs> we'll have no peace at Longbourn if Lydia does not go to Brighton. And I also like the two, the, uh, mentioning the two locations there. It's very nice and parallel. Mm. Let her go then. Colonel Forrester is a sensible man. And we'll keep her out of any real mischief. Any real mischief. Sure, she'll get into some mischief. What but nothing serious. What evidence is there that Colonel Forster is a sensible <clears throat> man? Mr. Bennis, has he even met Colonel Forster? I think it's just convenient for him to say that. Uh, uh -huh. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, and then the real mischief. That's a qualification. Mm. She will get in mischief, but it won't be any serious mischief. Mm. Uh, he'll keep her out of any real mischief. And she is lucky. She is <laughs> Lydia is luckily too poor to be an object of prey to anybody. Oh so God. don't worry about the soldiers. Lydia's too poor. No one's going to want to touch her, right? This is 100% victim blaming. Like, if anything happens to you, it's because you were too rich. And therefore, of course, a soldier would try to um, prey on you. But luckily, but luckily, you know, Lydia's small fry. Well, he's not thinking, he's not like thinking this all the way through. Like, no, he's not. There are other things soldiers would do to like poor girls oh, you know totally. that they wouldn't do to rich ones oh, gosh. uh okay but he's also this is also a joke too and like so being self-deprecating <laughs> so like don't worry luckily lydia is too poor to like be a prey to anybody mm. prey is like a very dangerous sounding word oh totally at brighton she will be of less importance uh i'm sorry at brighton she will be of less importance even as a common flirt than she has been here <laughs> So he's picking she, up. Oh <laughs> so she like, she is less important than even the most common flirt in Brighton. In Brighton, yeah, yes. Here, she she's worth knowing as a common flirt. But in Brighton, there'll be so many better flirts that she'll hardly be worth knowing. If right? Lydia uh, is like a Meriton eight. She'll be like a Brighton five. <laughs> At Brighton, she will be of less importance. Even as a common flirt. She'll be even less important than the common flirts. Mm, okay, so maybe like a four. Uh, than she has been here. And that's also, so she has been, so he just thinks so lowly of her. <laughs> he, she's still lower than common flirts in Meriton. Yeah. She'll just be that much lower in Brighton. <laughs> uh, At Brighton, she will be of less importance, even as a common flirt, than she has been here. 
The officers will find women better worth their notice. Oof. Let us hope, therefore, that her being there may teach her her own insignificance. All right, and this goes back to what you were saying. This is, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, the professed reason of Mr. Bennett is this is going to teach her a lesson, mm, right? Gonna, like, cut, like, cut her down a peg. <laughs> yeah, which he thinks will be a good thing. Mm. Uh... At any rate, she cannot grow many degrees worse. <laughs> Not or... she cannot grow any degrees worse. Uh, she cannot grow many degrees worse. <laughs> At any rate, she cannot grow many degrees worse wor- worse without authorizing us to lock her up for the rest of her life. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, well, whatever, you know, whatever. She's not going to get that much worse, right? Yeah, yeah, without... It's, she's not going to get so bad to the point that we have to lock her up for the rest of her life. That's his joke. Okay. Yeah. With this answer, Elizabeth was forced to be content. But her own opinion continued the same, and she left him disappointed and sorry. It was not in her nature, however, to increase her vexations by dwelling on them. She was confident of having performed her duty, and to fret over unavoidable evils or augment them by anxiety was no part of her disposition. Okay. This is, I like this, about Elizabeth. Mm. So she's just like, oh, uh, you know... I know this is not good. This is bad news, but I'm not going to convince Mr. Bennett otherwise. Yeah. And it's not Elizabeth's nature to, you know, increase her vexations by dwelling on all the bad things that are happening. Yep. <clears throat> At least she performed her duty. Yep. And to fret over unavoidable evils or augment them by anxiety was no part of her disposition. And what does it mean? Okay, we, we want to talk about this sentence, Grace. Well, sure. So she was confident <clears throat> in having performed her duty. She said her piece and what will happen will happen. And to fret over unavoidable evils, because now I guess Lydia going to Brighton and perhaps making even more of an embarrassment of herself and her family is an unavoidable evil. Mm-hmm. Or augment them by anxiety was no part of her disposition. That's just not who she is. To fret over unavoidable evils or to sort of, like, augment them in her head by by being anxious about it. To make them worse, really. Yeah. yeah. So she's not going to fret over things she can't change, and she's not going to make her, like, she's not going to make the evils worse in her head, right? Right. By, like, being anxious about them. <laughs> I feel like we can all maybe take a lesson there. It's like, if there are things <laughs> that are beyond your control, like, don't don't make them worse by constantly playing it over and over in your head. Like, what's done is done. She did her piece. She did her part. She had, she said everything she needed to say, and now the chips will fall where they may. Yes. Had Lydia and her mother known of the substance of her conference with her father, their indignation would hardly have found expression in their united volubility. (laughs) What is that? What is volubility? Like, their talkativeness, their verboseness yeah so this is going back to before talking about why elizabeth had to keep this conference secret Mm. because if lydia or mrs bennett ever found out they would just be like so indignant that even their united volubility couldn't even express how (laughs) indignant they are or or, indignant indignant yes i'm sorry could hardly have expressed how indignant they are sounds like you're pretty indignant about it (laughs) (laughs) in lydia's imagination a visit to Brighton comprised every possibility of earthly happiness. 
It is like only second to Eden mm-hmm. in her head of of true happiness. Well, Austin does include earthly, so yeah, exactly. Uh, this is all earthly joys and pleasures. Mm-hmm. There's no room for God here in Lydia's imagination. <laughs> You're right. uh-huh. Yes, the, yes, the eyes of God do not extend to Brighton. She saw, Lydia saw, with the creative eye of fancy in her mm-hmm. mind's eye, <laughs> the streets of that gay bathing place covered with officers. Oof, that, that, is, <laughs> that is a hot sentence, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the gay bathing place. That is, there's a reason Austin included the bathing place there. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. She saw, and I love this, the creative eye of fancy. The creative eye of fancy. The streets of that gay bathing place covered with officers. You can imagine what, or rather, lack of what these officers are wearing Just, at these bathing places. Well, they might be wearing the red coats. That, <laughs> that might be essential to the <laughs> to them. And nothing else. <laughs> Just covered with them. Officers <laughs> all over. <sighs> Lydia saw herself the object of attention to tens and to scores of them at present unknown. Oh my god. So... Tens, dozens, she doesn't even know how many. They're all going to be attending to her, Lydia, right? This is what she imagines. She saw all the glories of the camp, its tents stretched forth in beauteous uniformity of lines, crowded with the young and the gay, and dazzling with scarlet. And to complete the view, she saw herself seated beneath the tent, tenderly flirting with at least six officers at once oh at least <laughs> this is great this is poetry here yes, this is I... truly lydia's like erotic poetry <laughs> yeah this is like this is this is nature writing <laughs> <laughs> you know what this is you know what this scene reminds me of what's that it reminds me of hbo's f-boy island oh i see that yeah Uh, where the ratio of men to women is like 20 to 1 (laughs) that is lydia's idea of heaven tenderly flirting with at least six at once that's very that's almost it's almost endearing that she is tenderly flirting with six officers at once (laughs) (laughs) i love that she needs like many at the same time too oh my gosh yeah, yeah, and I just love the the description of this camp. Lydia has not seen this. This is not something Lydia has ever encountered in her no, life. This, this is, is all just imagination. Yeah, these are her expectations right now. The glories of the camp. We can imagine what an army camp is really like. No, it's uh, going to be a stinking shithole. It, it's tents stretched forth in beauteous uniformity of lines. We can see what's like really charging, like her description <laughs> of this camp. Crowded with the young and the gay, and dazzling with scarlet. That's the redcoats. And to complete the view, of course, Lydia, the queen herself, like Cleopatra, Cleopatra, I imagine some of them have fronds and are like (laughs) feeding her grapes, tenderly flirting with at least six officers at once. Had Lydia known, (laughs) this is all why Lydia would be so pissed (laughs) if she learned about Elizabeth's uh, conversation with Mr. Bennett. Had Lydia known that Elizabeth, her sister, sought to tear her from such prospects and such realities as these, what would have been her sensations? Oof. Such prospects, such views, such (laughs) potential, right? Mm -hmm. The potential of such realities as these. To know that Elizabeth had worked against, you know, Lydia ever seeing this. Oh, yeah. Fists would have come out. Yeah, yeah. It would have been, she'd have been beside herself, beyond (laughs) her sensation. She would have, (laughs) there's not a level of anger she could have felt that would have accurately captured. Remember when, uh, yeah, remember when she thought that, um, when she thought that Wickham had turned 
attention to Miss King, she referred to Miss King as a nasty little freckled thing. And that was just, and she had never, never even met Miss King. Imagine uh, what Lydia could have possibly said to like Elizabeth had she found out that Elizabeth tried to keep her from going to this beautiful, this, this Valhalla that is Brighton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> had Lydia known that her sister sought to tear her from everything that she ever wanted and ever hoped and dreamed for <laughs> would have been what would have been her sensations, you know, only they could only her sensations could have been understood by her mother. They, her sensations could only have been understood by Mrs. Bennett, mm. who might have felt nearly the same as Lydia yeah. upon hearing the information of Elizabeth's conversation with Mr. Bennett. Absolutely. Lydia's going to Brighton was all that consoled Mrs. Bennet for the melancholy conviction of her husband's never intending to go there himself. And so this is this is where Mr. Bennet will draw the line if I have to do something. I will not go. Uh, yeah, if I have to do something, it's not going to happen. Mm. But if I don't have to do anything, go crazy. You're right, you're right. The difference between why the family can't go to Brighton for the summer and why Lydia can go to Brighton is because Mr. Bennett doesn't have to do anything if Lydia goes by herself. Mr. Bennett was never going to take Lydia to Brighton, not because he didn't want her to expose herself, but because he's too lazy. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't want to go to Brighton. Mm. <laughs> I don't have a library in Brighton. <laughs> okay. But... Fortunately, Lydia and Mr. Mrs. Bennet were entirely ignorant of what had passed, and their raptures continued with little intermission to the very day of Lydia's leaving home. Mm. Oh, I like that. Their raptures continued with very little intermission to the very day of Lydia's leaving home. As if their raptures were like a, a play, and there was very little intermission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're just, like, constantly going on about Brighton, and they hardly even take time to sleep or, like, drink water. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so excited. <laughs> oh, I do feel kind of bad for Kitty, though. Like, she has to live with this. Uh -huh. Oh, and Mrs. Bennett is not doing anything to uh -uh. console her. No, uh, Mrs. Bennett is not a good mother. <laughs> why couldn't you be Lydia? <laughs> uh, do you want to keep reading for us from there? Elizabeth was now to see Wickham, Mr. Wickham, for the last time. All right, so we had a little bit of a turn in the scene here. Yep, we're changing gears. Having been frequently in company with him since her return, agitation was pretty well over. The agitations of former partiality entirely so. Okay, yeah, so having been frequently in company with him since Elizabeth came home, she was no longer, like, nervous or agitated to be around him, right? Yeah. And why she, would she have been... Oh, because uh, he know she knows what he is like truly. And she knows his true nature. Yeah, so it's like enough time has passed now where she can like just just barely stand to be in the same room as him. Yeah, and the agitations, like the anxiety she felt about his former, you know, partiality, have been over for a really yeah, long time. Entirely uh, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if it if it wasn't already made abundantly clear. <laughs> She had even learned to detect, in the very gentleness which had first delighted her, an affectation and a sameness to disgust and weary. Wow. So yeah, these so the gentleness, the the, the gentleness that that Mr. Wickham once um sort of performed or seemed to have just um contained in his person mm -hmm. used to delight Elizabeth. He was like, Oh wow, such a charming, such a charming, handsome man. But now, 
she is learning to detect that this very gentle gentleness or charm or charm or whatever uh, yeah was an affectation and a sameness what is what is a sameness and a sameness to weary to disgust and weary it's a little confusing i think it generally means like you know it's unvarying like Similar to Mr. Collins, Mr. Mm. Wickham just kind of has these, like, lines, you know. He says, like, similar things. He has similar reactions. They're all, like, genteel and charming. But they're not really... He's not really reacting to the scene around him, you know. Yeah. He's just, like, repeating, like, the same BS all the time. Yeah, uh-huh. an affectation, like, a putting on airs and a sameness. An affectation could also be, like, a mask. And so think about, like, a mask doesn't make facial expressions, right? A mm. mask is just, like, a smooth surface, and that's the same as Wickham. Yeah, yeah. So, like, this is all... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, well, yeah, like, an affectation and a sameness. Like, maybe Wickham has, like, three general faces that he makes mm-hmm. and before elizabeth was like oh wow so so handsome so charming so you know everyone loves him but now she's like oh this is like this is him putting on airs yeah i like to imagine wickham actually looks at himself in the mirror and tries to accomplish the the three most charming looking faces <laughs> right yeah he knows his angles uh, <laughs> oh he definitely does uh, <laughs> yeah so now these things that used to delight her she actually um sees them with disgust and weary like she is disgusted by them and she's grown weary of them yeah well when she first knew wickham she thought this was he was just gen genuinely genteel and charming right but now she knows it's all just an act yeah, and it and that disgusts and wearies her. I I like that I like the um, parallel you drew with Mr. Collins because I kind of think maybe the only thing Mr. Collins didn't have going for him is that he was not handsome, like, and that he was obsessed with Lady Catherine. Well, but he's a odious personality. I know, don't you perhaps, think? Perhaps, but yeah, like if if if, if Mr. Collins maybe could have practiced his. If he could have ex- used the same energy he used to practice his, like, his, you know, compliments or whatever into, like, trying to be charming, maybe he could have, like, he could have, like, been, like, he could have, like, maybe been a little bit closer to Wickham in terms of, like, being charming. Maybe he would have done better with the women. But we do have yeah. to remember that actually Collins has, you know, he has a much better state in life than Wickham oh, does totally. at the moment. Yeah, so and never... I, some yeah well yeah so he never had to learn how to be charming uh well he did what he had to do to survive because that mm. you know he acquired that like sort of servile nature because he knew lady catherine liked it yeah you're right you're right and yeah same way that mr wickham has acquired this charming affectation because that's how he gets ahead they're both trying to live off rich women <laughs> basically <laughs> wow yeah you're so right yeah, and now, yeah, what a what a turn from being delighted by Wickham to being disgusted by him. Well, you just see through the facade now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, in his present behavior to herself, moreover, she had a fresh source of displeasure mm. for the inclination he soon testified of renewing those attentions which had marked the early part of their acquaintance could only serve after what had since what had since passed to provoke her. Okay, let's do okay. that again. Yeah. In his present behavior to herself. In Wickham's present behavior to Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh-huh. She had a new source of displeasure. Not just because he was like not just because he has put on puts on airs and has the same three facial expressions. That was when they were meeting earlier, like 
in the week, in mm-hmm. the week preceding this, that was what annoyed Elizabeth. Yeah. Is that he, now she just saw through all of his, like, BS, right? Yeah. But now, now in this new meeting, something else is provoking her, right? Mm-hmm. For the inclination, he soon testified of renewing those attentions, which had marked the early part of their acquaintance, could only serve, after what had since passed, to provoke her. Okay. So this new, this fresh source of displeasure in Wickham is the inclination that he soon showed, he soon testified, he soon showed of renewing those attentions to Elizabeth, which had marked the early part of her acquaintance. So basically Mm -hmm. Wickham's going to try to flirt with Elizabeth again, right? Yeah. Uh All of this could only serve after what had since passed, a.k.a. finding out Wickham's true nature, to provoke her. Mm. Now she's, all right, before I was just, like, a little annoyed, but now you're kind of pissing me off. And Wickham, come on, dude. Like, (laughs) they flirt, he goes and, like, you know, tacitly engages himself to someone else, but that doesn't, he breaks that off, and now he's back trying to flirt with Elizabeth again. Mm. Come on, dude. (laughs) I think he thinks he can get away with it. Probably because because he has gotten away with it. And do you, well, it's hard to say like how Elizabeth would have felt if she had never learned any of this information about Wickham. Ooh. But it's impossible to open that door. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Which yeah, well, well, we, I, just, we don't know. I like to believe that she can see through it. She wouldn't have. She would have thought that was like inappropriate at least that he's gonna like come back now and be like, oh, you know, pretend like nothing ever happened. I don't know. She does give him a lot of benefit. In those early chapters, especially. For per- yeah. Even for pursuing Miss King. Like, she came to his defense. I kind of think... I don't know. I, I I hate to say this about her, because I feel like... I don't know. Based on the evidence, I kind of feel like she would flirt back. And she would, like, defend his actions, too. Be like, well, yeah, well... You know, we've learned that he... We learned that, you know, Miss King... Well, no, we we don't know why they broke it off, but, like, yeah, like, whatever. Uh, she might have been swayed. I don't know. I don't uh, want to live in that universe. I know, but we, you know, her biggest sin is prejudice. And yeah, that's true. Once her, when she forms an opinion about someone. Well, these are the stakes here, you know. What, what happens if you get, like, if you marry someone who is not who you thought they were? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy to divorce them. I, know, <laughs> I can tell right? you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, so she noticed that Wickham's trying to flirt with her again, and this, like, pisses her off even more than she was already pissed off at just thinking that he was a liar and a fake. Mm-hmm. She lost all concern for him in finding herself thus selected as the object of such idle and frivolous gallantry. And while she steadily repressed it, could not but feel the reproof contained in his believing that however long and for whatever cause his attentions had been withdrawn, her vanity would be gratified and her preference secured at any time by their renewal. What does it mean when it says she lost all concern for him in finding herself thus selected? Like, she lost all concern for him in finding herself thus selected. Like, she stopped... I don't know, like... She just stopped caring at all? It seems like she would have already stopped caring, but, um... Like, I guess it's just to reiterate the previous sentence in that, like, oh, and it's like when she realized that he's trying to flirt with her again, she's just like, she's sort of like, whatever. Like, she's probably like pissed, but she's also just sort of like, oh, I don't actually want you to, I don't actually care that you're flirting with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a good point. So I guess the lost all concern 
is connected to the fresh source of displeasure, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's just, like, kind of super over it, right? <laughs> she is a thousand percent over it. She finds him disgusting. Yeah. And, and she's weary of him. Yeah, yeah. Finding herself thus selected as the object of such idle and frivolous gallantry. Earlier she was happy to be selected as the object of just his gallantry. <laughs> but now we know it's idle and frivolous. Mm-hmm. And while she steadily repressed it, the it being, she could not but feel the reproof uh, contained in his believing that however long and for whatever cause his attentions had been withdrawn, her vanity would be gratified and her preference secured at any time by their renewal. Okay, so I think while she steadily repressed it, this it is the feeling of his reproof, right? While well, no, she... no, no, it's her reproof contained, I think. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. you're okay, right, you're right. It is... it's, it's, the wording is kind of confusing. But while she steadily repressed this feeling, she could not but feel the reproof contained in Wickham's believing, like, the insult. She could not but feel the insult that Wickham, like, shows her in believing that even though he had abandoned her for all these months, now her vanity is going to be gratified mm-hmm. by, like, some more flirting, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's this the feeling of being insulted by... Wickham. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to feel insulted by him, right? Yeah, but she could not feel, she could not but feel, she could not help herself in feeling, feeling this little insult. While, <laughs> yeah, while she was repressing feeling insulted, yeah. she still felt the insult, right? Yeah, she couldn't yeah. help but feel it. Right. Uh-huh. So why would she try to repress this feeling of being insulted by Wickham's, um, um, like, assumption that she would just love to be flirted at again uh well i think there's a couple reasons now thinking about it more one is definitely like she's not going to get into an argument with wickham here and be like hey what are you doing right Mm -hmm. she's like he's leaving town as her and jane have already discussed and as we'll see in a few pages they're probably never going to see each other again (laughs) or that's their hope yeah right I think secondly, though, she doesn't want to let Wickham get to her. Yeah. Like, she has just written Wickham off in her mind as, like, this is just, like, you know, a frivolous guy. He can't affect me, right? Mm -hmm. But yet, she still, even if she's not feeling, like, she doesn't feel gratified by his attentions now, she still is feeling something, and that something is, like, the insult that's kind of implied in him thinking, oh, he can just slide slide back into her life now, right? Yeah, you're right, because, like, you're right, like, she wants to feel, like, apathetic about him, uh-huh. but she can't help but still feel that tinge of, like, 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 just, like, she just, just, like, the absolute gall of him to, th- she doesn't want, yeah, you're right, like, the absolute gall of him to think that I would still invite him to flirt with me. Like, she wants... Yeah, you're right. She wants to be over it. She doesn't want him to take up any more space in her mind, but she still can't help but feel, like, insulted that he would even try to flirt with her. Yeah. And she, you know, it indicates that she... That Wickham is still getting to her a little Mm. bit, even if it's through indignation, right? But I think, yeah, like you were saying, it's connected to the first part of this sentence. That she lost all concern for him Mm. in finding herself thus selected as the object of such idle and frivolous gallantry. Like, she is not affected at all by this gallantry, right? Yeah, well, it's like she's 99.9% not affected. 
But yeah, and the point one percent that is affected is not like you know love. It's indignation, yeah, at, like the tacit insult and in right. him thinking that he can just have his way with her. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the she lost all concern for him, it's like both the positive and the negative feelings that she ever had for him. She it's out the window. She is she is no longer caring about any of it, except for that tiny tiny bit in her man mind where she's like, I can't believe he still thinks he can flirt with me. Like that little bit is still stuck in her brain. Imagine this is a crazy like journey for Elizabeth in this paragraph. <laughs> she's like. She's in the company of Wickham, and they are not, like, really talking, and she can see through his gallantry, you know. Uh, now she knows his true nature, and she thinks he's a bad guy, and it causes her disgust. And then he comes up to her and tries to flirt with her again, and I think she's, like, trying to, like, even affect, like, apathy. She was like, this is... This is the final straw that you think you can just, like, come flirt with me again. Yeah, it's uh, almost like she doesn't even want to give him the satisfaction of letting him know that he has actually ever affected her in any kind of way. And... And while I'm trying, while she's trying to be apathetic, she can't help but feel the insult still. Yeah, and I think we can all sort of relate to, to that on some level. That is, like, the genius of, like, Jane Austen. Like, she really just writes the psychology of people so well. Like, this is such a... This is such a specific feeling mm -hmm. that it's like, it's neither like love nor hate. It's like trying to be apathetic, but like you still just can't have after having a history with a person, like you want to be apathetic, but there's still that little bit of you that just can't help, but still be affected by the person. And I think there's a real like subtle truth that's kind of like shaded out at the end of this paragraph in that, like that kind of behavior, like flirting with someone ignoring them for a long time and then trying to flirt with them again is kind of insulting, right? Mm -hmm. It, like, implies that they'll just, like, go along with whatever you want to do to them, right? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. As if her vanity would be gratified and her preference secured at any time by the renewal of the of the flirtation. Yeah, as if he thinks that he could gratify her vanity, like, make <laughs> her feel good about herself, or, like, even get her preference again, yeah. right? Uh -huh. like, like, as if it's, like, Win an on and off switch. Again. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm just gonna turn the on switch back on, like, the switch back on, and Elizabeth <laughs> is gonna come back to life now and flirt with me again. Like, that's not how it works. Uh, well, I tried someone else, and it didn't work out, so <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go back to you now. <laughs> <laughs> on the very last day of the regiment's remaining American... Wickham dined with other others of the officers at Longbourn, and so little was Elizabeth disposed to part from him in good humor that on his making some inquiry as to the manner in which her time had passed on Huntsford, she mentioned, mentioned Colonel Fitzwilliams and Mr. Darcy's having both spent three weeks at Rosings, mm. and asked him if he were acquainted with the former Fitzwilliam. Yeah. So, okay, now we're in another day. Mm. On the very last day yeah, of yeah. the regiment being at Meryton, I guess. They're going to dine at Longbourn. <laughs> some of him and some of the officers are at Longbourn. And Elizabeth is like, she is not happy with Wickham, and she kind of wants to, like, put a sour taste in his mouth before they part oh, forever, God, right? imagine just having to have him in your house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so little was Elizabeth disposed to part from him in good humor. Like, she kind of wants to let him know that she sees through his BS. Mm. That when he asked her about Huntsford and, like, her time there, she couldn't help but mention both Colonel Fitzwilliam, but the fact that both Colonel Fitzwilliam and Darcy were there for three weeks, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, do you, uh, do you know Colonel Fitzwilliam, by the way? That's what she's asking. Yeah. As if, like, 
I don't know, being, like, purposely, like, kind of blithe. As if she doesn't know this whole history, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. How does Wickham react to this? He looked surprised, displeased, alarmed. So that's probably the order. Those yeah. are his three new expressions. <laughs> Surprise, displeasure, and uh-oh. <laughs> What's coming next? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-oh, uh now she knows, right? <laughs> yeah, sound the alarms. Uh -huh. um, it's probably like an alarm going off in his brain. But with a moment's recollection and a returning <laughs> smile, replied that he had formerly seen him often. And after observing that he was a very gentleman-like man, a oh, after observing that he was a very gentlemanlike man, asked her how she liked him. Okay, so the facade is broken for a second. He's like, what? <laughs> he has yeah. three genuine feelings, and then he's back, you know? If the affectation is a mask, then, like, now you can see, like, the cracks of the mask uh, starting to come through. But a moment's <laughs> recollection, the smile's back. Uh -huh. <laughs> like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> and then he starts, like, you know, idly talking, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know him. He's very gentlemanly. Her, uh, yeah, oh yeah, and then asked her how she liked him. Her answer was warmly in his favor. Yeah, I agree. That's what she said. Mm -hmm. With an air of indifference. With an air of indifference. <laughs> so now he's, like, cutting, like, his meat, like, <laughs> taking a sip and being like, oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> yeah. what does he ask? <laughs> um, he soon afterwards added, how long did you say that he was at Rosings? Mm -hmm. Elizabeth says, nearly three weeks. And you saw him <coughs> frequently? Yes, almost every day. His manners are very different from his cousin's. Elizabeth says, yes, very different. But I think Mr. Darcy improves on acquaintance. Mm. So why why is Wickham pursuing this like line of questions? Well, he's trying to get to the bottom of, oh, does Elizabeth know what hap what I did? He's like securiously trying to find out yeah, what she knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, uh, and he he actually brings up Darcy. Mm. He's like, well, we've both agreed that we like Fitzwilliam, and I'm going to see how you feel about Darcy now. <laughs> so he's like, well, his manners must be very different from Darcy if you like him, right? This is uh -huh. the same, now that we're reading this again, this is the same tactic he used when he first met Elizabeth. Like, he asked her, I think, like, oh, have you met Mr. Darcy? And she was like... Yeah, and the whole town hates him. And then she's like, he's like, oh, perfect. So let me tell you my tale of woe. Mm -hmm. This is him doing the same thing again, essentially. It's like, oh, what do you think of Mr. of Colonel Fitzwilliam? Yeah, oh, that's a great point. Sussing out what she oh, thinks that's of. That's so clever. Uh, this yeah. is like true, like, social engineering at its finest. And maybe he's even trying to suss out what she thinks of Darcy mm, also. Yeah. He's going to be like, remember we both dislike Darcy, yeah. right? Yeah, uh -huh. we both agree that uh, Colonel Fitzwilliam's <clears throat> manners are very different. But he does say from his cousin, so he does not quite say the name. Mm. And then here Elizabeth's like going to be, yes, very different. But I think Mr. Darcy improves on acquaintance. And that, I think, has multiple meanings because... It is sort of like a general. You can say that generally. Yeah, you people approve on acquaintance, but actually, like in true, like literally, like Elizabeth's per like view of Mister Darcy has significantly improved after knowing his whole life story. Yeah. Well, here we're gonna we're about to get in the two different ways that you can improve upon acquaintance, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, what does Wickham say? Indeed, cried Wickham. <laughs> Exclamation point! Yeah. With a look which did not escape her. <laughs> <laughs> and pray, may I ask? But checking himself, he added in a gayer tone, so many gay officers. Just like, I love that. That's just like, officers are just, just super happy, just doing their thing. Uh, Austin loves associating like, just weird, like, 
jubilance with the with officers. I think it is also kind of associated with youth too. Oh, with youth, just like bounding energy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Okay. So, but Wickham is also, you know, the facade is breaking again. He's yeah. like, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And pray, pray may I ask? And then he checks himself. Uh-huh. Maybe he fixes his tie a little bit, and then added in a gayer tone. Is it in a dress that he improves? <laughs> yeah. Is his talk better? Is he a little more polite now? Right. Uh huh. Has he deigned to add aught of civility to his ordinary style? For I dare not hope. He continued in a lower and more serious tone that he has improved in essentials. Essentials meaning what? Like who he is as a person. The core of his character, <laughs> which we both agreed upon, is a black heart, right? This is what Wickham is saying. Well, he's also saying, yeah, because he's kind of saying, like, oh, I dare not hope that his character has improved. Because he's like, oh, don't give me hope, Elizabeth. I would love nothing more than to find out that Mr. Darcy has improved as a character. That's what he's pretending to say. Yeah. But what he he really, genuinely hopes that Darcy has not improved in Elizabeth's mind. As a character. As a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh... Yeah, is it in dress? Is in is it in his talk that he improves in his like politeness? Has he deigned to add aught of the smallest bit of civility to his ordinary style? Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh no," said Elizabeth. "In essentials, I believe he is very much what he ever was." And you can do with what you will with that, uh-huh. Mister Wickham. <laughs> yeah. Well, Elizabeth is like, I like how she, she's great at. Answering questions truthfully, but not answering the question at the same time, right? Or, but not giving the answer that the person who asked the question wanted. Yeah, she's she's done that with Lady Catherine, too. Uh-huh. Anytime Lady Catherine asked a very annoying question, she would answer in a way that was, like, satisfactory to herself. And well, I think Elizabeth here has done the same thing. <laughs> we She does it with Collins, too, like, marrying uh, <laughs> truthfulness oh, yeah. to, like... Uh, being truthful without being encouraging, basically, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So she's like, <laughs> Wickham's like, I hope, or I dare not hope, like, <laughs> is it, could it possibly be true that Darcy's character has improved? And Elizabeth's like, no, not true. Darcy's character is the same as it always was, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Wickham is like, um, dot, dot, dot. The sub, his character is the same as it always was, subtext. And that's not what you told me it was, right? Yeah, yeah. But what you think it is is wrong. <laughs> I imagine like a bead of sweat dripping down his forehead slowly. <laughs> While she spoke, Wickham looked as if scarcely knowing whether to rejoice over her words or to distrust their meaning. Like essentially what we were saying. Mm-hmm. There was a something in her countenance which made him listen with an apprehensive and anxious attention while she added... Okay, yeah, yeah. So Wickham is like, he's a little confused still. He's like, are we on the same page about Darcy or not, right? Mm -hmm, Uh, He doesn't know whether to rejoice over her words, meaning that Elizabeth is saying Darcy has a black heart, as we previously agreed, everything is the same as ever, Mm. or to distrust their meaning, meaning Elizabeth found out the truth, truth, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was something in his countenance, in his facial expression, in her countenance. Oh, in her countenance, I'm sorry. In Elizabeth's facial expression, which made Wickham listen with an apprehensive and anxious attention mm-hmm. while she added, When I said, this is Elizabeth, when I said that Darcy improved on acquaintance, I did not mean that either his mind or manners were in a state of improvement, but that from knowing him better, his disposition was better understood. 
So there, that is what she's saying now. Mm. So there it is. <laughs> it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not that she's she's basically saying like, yeah, it's not that his manners have improved. It's that I know now why he is the way he is. And if this is like, I know this is actually very tense. This scene, oh, and, totally. and that is like a pretty harsh, or, or not harsh, but like dramatic thing to say because Wickham has already said that Darcy has ruined my life and is my greatest enemy mm. and now Elizabeth is just like I know him better now I know him better than how you've represented him to me right yeah yeah his dis well not even she's not saying I understand him better she's saying his disposition was better understood uh. so she is still sort of absolving herself of any ownership of of Darcy as a as a character. She's not going to say she's not really saying outright like I know his true character. That's true, yeah. She's just saying like I I have more context now. Right, yeah, yeah. Don't don't get it twisted, Wickham. I'm not saying that his like care I'm not saying that his like behavior has changed at all. I'm just saying that when you know more about his character, like you can understand it better, right? Mm -hmm. It gives you there are new things to understand about Darcy. And the subtext just comes from the whole past, like everything they've said about Darcy to each other in the past, which has all been negative. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, she's sort of saying like she's kind of saying to Wickham like, I filled in some of the gaps in your story. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wickham's alarm now appeared in a heightened complexion and agitated look. So he can't even hide it anymore. I love all of these A's here, too. Uh, he has an apprehensive and anxious attention, and his alarm, alarm now appeared yeah. in a heightened complexion and agitated look. So many A's There's here. There's some nice assonance going on in this sentence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alarm now appeared, agitated look. Uh -huh. Yeah. For a few minutes, he was silent, till shaking off his embarrassment... <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes him a few minutes to like get over this though yeah uh, he turned to her again and said in the gentlest of accents another re a remember like gentle does not necessarily mean like soft and caring here right. it means like gentle in essence in its original form means highborn mm -hmm. so here means like charming yeah. you sound like charming and educated and like suave so he has, like, taken a moment to recollect, <laughs> to regain himself, and now he's back to being Mr. Smooth Guy, right? Uh. Yeah, and he goes, You, who so well know my feelings towards Mr. Darcy, will readily comprehend how sincerely I must rejoice that he is wise enough to assume even the appearance of what is right. Okay, yeah, yeah. What is he saying here? He's saying, like, well... You know how I feel about Mr. Darcy, that I've been hurt by him and he is awful. Uh-huh. Um, so you, so he's taking the stance of, like, a fucking Mother Teresa here. It's like, uh -huh. now I, you must understand how happy I am that he is wise enough to have even the appearance of what is right. Yeah, assume is, like, uh, like take on, kind yeah. of. Like, you know... <laughs> Oh, Darcy has so wronged me that you have to know that I am sincerely happy to hear that he's even pretending to be good now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that you've told me, because Elizabeth has essentially told him, like, yeah, I have more contacts than I see. I understand why he is the way he is now. And now Dar uh, Wickham is like, well, I'm just happy to hear that now he even, like, is trying to look like the right guy, uh, a, a good guy. And he's also kind of, like, refuting Elizabeth. He's mm -hmm. like, no, you don't see the true Darcy. He's just putting on a show for you, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. To assume even the appearance, yeah. 
His pride in that direction may be of service, if not to himself, to many others, for it must deter him from such foul misconduct as I have suffered by. Okay, Darcy's pride in what direction? In the direction of appearing. To be be, good, right? Yeah, Uh maybe of service, if not to himself, to many others. For it must, oh, so it must be in the service of others. So, like, Darcy pretending to be good, even if that's not doing any good for himself, it may do good for some others because from the the fear of being shamed for being so evil, Darcy may refrain from, like, Mm. so harshly, you know, abusing people in the same way that has abused Wickham. Yeah, you're right. Uh, For it must deter him from such foul misconduct as I have suffered by. You're right. So he's saying, in order for Mr. Darcy to keep up appearances of being a good guy, I hope that that means that he is not ruining other people's lives like he ruined mine. Uh, like, it's never gonna... Darcy's, like, internal soul, according to Wickham, will never be changed. He will always have, like, a totally black heart. But he's so proud that he doesn't want people to judge him that he might now appear to be good. And at least it's not going to do any good for him because he's going to hell and he has a black heart. But at least it may do good for some other people who he won't hurt now. Mm-hmm. Unlike he hurt me. That's what Wickham is saying. Yes. He's like saying, well, I suppose the, the silver lining is that now, now that he is pretending to be good, or now that he is presenting himself as good he won't try to hurt other people for the sake of his own reputation this is also a great like refutement to any defense of darcy like wickham could say like oh darcy abused me like no one else and you could say well darcy's never done that to anyone else and wickham's like well that's just because he's pretending to be good <laughs> right <laughs> he would he would do it to everyone if he if he just didn't have if he had slightly less pride and was would own his evil yeah i only fear that the sort of cautiousness to which you, I imagine, have been alluding, is merely adopted on his visits to his aunt, of whose good opinion and judgment he stands much in awe. What does Wickham mean by consciousness? Cautiousness? Cautiousness, yeah. Yeah, like the cautiousness of appearing good now. Yeah. Like now that... he's being more cautious in his, I don't know, in his evilness. <laughs> he's not letting other people see his evil, his right? His evil doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the only reason he's being cautious... Ca- Cautious, yeah. I fear is because of Lady Catherine's around, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's because he wants her good judgment. Yeah, opinion. because whose good opinion and judgment he stands much in awe. Hmm. Do you, Did Darcy seem like he was in awe of Lady Catherine? I think Lady Catherine was in awe of Darcy some, I think from time to time. Darcy was fairly indifferent toward Lady Catherine. <laughs> yeah. But this is more of Wickham's, like, you know, this is how he's going to paint Darcy. Like, Darcy is also servile in addition to being evil. Mm. His fear of her has always operated, I know, when they were together. Uh. And a good deal is to be imputed as to his wish of forwarding the match with Mr. Berg, which I am certain he has very much at heart. <laughs> well, okay, let's deal with this first part first. It's not just enough that Darcy, according to Wickham, that Darcy's in awe of Lady Catherine's opinion and judgment, but he's also afraid of her. He's a <laughs> coward. <laughs> uh, so his fear of Lady Catherine, I know, has always operated on him much when they were together. Like, he always changes his appearance for Lady Catherine because he's so afraid of her. Mm-hmm. And also he wants to marry Mr. Berg. Yeah. And is that true? Not that we've seen. I don't think so. We didn't even see them interact the entire uh, time he was there. They didn't talk to each other, certainly. Miss Miss DeBerg was too busy with Mrs. Jenkinson. 
This is, it's interesting, this is the first time we get to see Wickham slander Darcy after we know, know the truth. Mm. And this is the best way that he can do it now is, man, he is so quick thinking, to be honest. Like, I almost admire him for if, being able to, like, pivot his, his criticism of Darcy now. It's ridiculous because we have seen, like, because we know, because we know the full context, because we've seen Darcy and Lady Catherine interact. Mm. But if we didn't know, it would sound reasonable enough, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. But <laughs> now we know, and now Elizabeth knows. So, like, it's ridiculous in the con in context, it's ridiculous. Like, these are total falsehoods. Yeah, oof. Dar oof. Wickham is such a snake. Like, in, in the way that, like, he can just slither out of so many situations. Like, like here, he's, he just, like, he just took it completely, like, he doesn't, like, disavow what he has said about Darcy. He's just like, well, if that's what you saw, then here's some context that you probably didn't know about why he suddenly looked like the good guy. Uh -huh. It's just, he just has so many, so many tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, we can see him developing his arguments. Like, Elizabeth is like, she doesn't even say, I think Darcy's good now. Mm. But, you know, Wickham perceives that. And at first he's like, well, he's just pretending because he's proud and he doesn't want people to know he's evil. Mm. And then he's like, oh, wait, you saw him around Lady Catherine, right? Well, he's a coward, you know, and he's totally afraid of her. Yeah. And he's going to be cautious in his attitudes when he's around her. Just using every, every, like, tool in his arsenal uh -huh. to try to cut him cut darcy down again oh and also he wants to marry mr berg so if darcy was acting friendly around you that's probably why mm. but elizabeth knows the the real truth here because elizabeth could not repress a smile at this but she answered only by a slight inclination of the head i see <sighs> so no words you don't get any response wickham i'm just like acknowledged you said that the smile is probably like like She's probably amused by Wickham's, like, last-ditch effort to, like, save face. Yeah, well, if... <laughs> this is a serious speech from Wickham. Like, a smile is... <laughs> like, you're not going to react to this speech with a smile unless you know that's all lies, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah, only answered by a slight inclination of the head. She saw that he wanted to engage her on the old subject of his grievances, <laughs> and she was in no humor to indulge him. The old subject of his grievances being his slander of Darcy. Mm -hmm. The rest of the evening passed with the appearance on his side of usual cheerfulness, but with no further attempt to distinguish Elizabeth. I think this word is purposely making fun of everything Wickham has just said now, right? <laughs> I think you're right. He's yeah. been going on and on about the appearance, the appearance Darcy's taken on, but he is truly the guy who's wearing a mask, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, the rest of the evening was passed with the appearance on his side of usual cheerfulness, but with no further attempt to distinguish Elizabeth. He's like, conversation over. This was not fun. <laughs> I'm going to keep, like, being genial, but I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yep. And they parted at last with mutual civility and possibly a mutual desire of never meeting again. Possibly a mutual desire. So we 100% know that Elizabeth desires to never see Wickham again. We can only assume... That Wickham possibly feels the same way. Wickham might think like, eh, maybe a year later I can slither back into her life. <laughs> I can figure this angle out somehow. Yeah. But yeah, Elizabeth does not want to see Or maybe again. he even thinks that he managed to reconvince her of like Darcy being an evil guy. Maybe. Yeah, he's like, oh, maybe that worked. There, yeah, that's right. I'm not going to discount any possibilities, <laughs> right? I haven't been called out yet. <laughs> yeah, she didn't say anything positive. So I'll take that as <laughs> that kernel of hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When the party broke up, Lydia returned with Mrs. Forrester to Meryton, 
from whence they were to set out early the next morning. Oh my god, it just occurred to me that, like, Mary, um, Lydia, like, she can't even go a single day without being around the officers. Like, like, she's already going to Meryton with Mrs. Forrester that same night. Did they really need to host a dinner for all of these officers? Well, Mrs. Bennett's not going to see him again. Oh, you're right. Uh, Ms. Mrs. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Bennett. She wants some time around those red coats before they all leave. Man, you think Lydia would... Well, no, you wouldn't, but Lydia just never tires. If, if anything, being around officers just fuels her uh, more than food and drink <laughs> ever could. She doesn't eat food and drink. Uh. <laughs> The separation between Lydia and her family was rather noisy than pathetic. Pathetic meaning, like, moving. Yeah, it evokes pathos. Mm -hmm. We think of pathetic in one way now, but yeah, meaning, like, emotional. Yeah, uh, so it was rather noisy than emotional. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think, That's great. I think every... I gotta, I gotta maybe do, like, a check on this, but I think every single time the word noisy comes up, it's in relation to Lydia. Uh, that would be a good thing to research, I'll but uh, I'm that. sure you're probably right. Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a vulgar word, you know? And noisy, so, of course, it yeah. fits Lydia perfectly. This is also a great way to describe the Bennets. Like, this is a... <laughs> they're sending their daughter off for, you know, a good amount of time, and it's just noisy. It's not emotional. <laughs> Kitty was the only one who shed tears... But she did weep from vexation and envy. So is Kitty crying because she's going to miss Lydia? Fuck no. <laughs> no, it's because she feels like she's been very wronged and yeah. she's incredibly envious of Lydia. <laughs> so there's no pathos there. Mm. I also appreciate that very much like Lydia, she has no control over her emotions. She uh, is openly weeping in yeah. front of her family. <laughs> even as even as Lydia is about to walk through the door, even as uh, she's like putting on her coat, Lydia or Kitty is still bemoaning over her own um, her own. Um, uh, wrongs. Yeah, well, fortunately, no one cares. <laughs> Least of all, Lydia. <laughs> she doesn't care about Kitty's tears. And Mrs. Bennett, not crying because I don't think she, you know, may, she's going to miss Lydia, but uh, Mrs. Bennett is just happy that she's going to live the life that Mrs. Bennett always should have lived, right? Mm -hmm. Mrs. Bennett was diffuse in her good wishes for the felicity of her daughter. Felicity being, should be like a dog whistle for marriage. Like, uh -huh. anytime, like, Felicity is in reference to, like, oh, she's gonna, she's gonna come home, uh, Mrs. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, Felicity in one way means, like, good word choice, like, a particularly well-chosen word. Ooh. It's one of Austin's favorite words. It is. It also means just, like, extreme happiness. But, yeah, I think it kind of means, like, you know, when things, things come together nicely, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when plan, the Felicity of plans well made, right? <laughs> Mrs. Bennett was diffuse in her good wishes for the felicity of her daughter and impressive in her injunctions that she would not miss the opportunity of enjoying herself as much as possible. <laughs> so Mrs. Bennett was diffuse in her good wishes for Lydia's future success and impressive in her injunctions to Lydia that Lydia would not miss the opportunity of enjoying herself as much as possible. <laughs> well, what is what does Austin mean by impressive here? So impressive means like, in one way, it means like inclined to make an impression. So like, she, Mrs. Bennett, is like really she she she's holding, she's holding her dear Lydia's hands in her hands, looking her in the eye, and telling her not to miss the opportunity of enjoying herself as much as possible. But what was the other way that we could interpret this? 
we can also try to get into like Mrs. Bennett's head mm -hmm. and be like, oh, she thinks that, you know, she is like the wise, wise counsel to her daughter now. And she is handing down some like very important information that is should be impressed on her and Austin is using this like sarcastically because the very wise information that she is passing down is go have as much fun as possible right yeah uh, I think we've heard it the word impress being used like oh I must impress on you this this advice mm -hmm. go out there and party hard <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's what it, that's Mrs. Ben is like Here's some advice that you really need to know. I am like the impressive, you know, grand figure, the grand philosopher, and yes. I'm going to hand you down some advice that you have to remember, and that is don't miss the opportunity of enjoying yourself as much as possible. <laughs> Great advice from a mother. As if Lydia was not already well aware of what she should do when she arrives at Brighton. Yes, yeah. Well, Austin continues to say, advice... Which there was every reason to believe would be attended to. <laughs> so, yeah, Lydia's going to do that. <laughs> yeah, also, Mrs. Bennett didn't need, need to tell her that. Yeah. And in the clamorous happiness of yeah, Lydia... Clamorous happiness. It does not sound like a pleasant kind of happiness. <laughs> well, clamorous also means loud to me. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, no, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. But just, like, the noisy, clamorous happiness of Lydia. Yeah, well, in the clamorous happiness of Lydia bidding... Lydia herself in bidding farewell... The more gentle adieus of her sisters were uttered without being heard. So Lydia's just like shouting and laughing, <laughs> shouting, I mean, goodbye, and she can't even hear her sister saying it. No, yeah, she can't even hear her own sister saying bye. She's too busy shouting about how much fun she's going to have. She is shouting goodbye, but it's almost like a It's like a, a so gloating. long, bitches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially you, Kitty. Yeah, you wish you were me. <laughs> Uh, Oof. what a great chapter. So much happened. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff happened. Uh-huh. That scene with, I always love Elizabeth and Mr. Bennett scenes, <laughs> but that's probably the darkest of the book. Oh, totally. That's some of the darkest, like, parenting we see from Mr. Bennett. Yeah. yeah. And then we get to see, like, another, I like, this is kind of a good counterpart to the little send-off that Elizabeth gets to give Collins. In what way? The, oh, the yeah. The one that she gives Wickham here. Even though Wickham, spoiler, will come back. But, like, this is a little bit of a send-off between Elizabeth and Wickham. And kind of a, like... A nice bookend. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just, like, Elizabeth knows it's all different now. You know, everything... Wickham is still doing the same thing he was in the early chapters. But Elizabeth is a different person. Mm, you're right. Uh-huh. Where before, like, his stories of woe about Darcy, like, enraged her on Wickham's part. Now she just smiles and inclines her head. Yeah, she's like, oh, oh, Wickham. <laughs> yeah, you're never gonna change, right? <laughs> never gonna change your ways. Uh -huh. Well, hopefully I'll never see you again. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. And Lydia's in Brighton now. And this is gonna really Oof. turbocharge the, the third volume of the book, which is... Coming up in one chapter, I That's believe. That's true. Right? Yeah, uh, we have one more chapter, volume two, and then it's on to volume three. And it's all going to come together. Yes. Oof. Maybe my favorite volume. If mm, Yeah, I think maybe my favorite volume. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Mm. Uh, we've had fun in two so far. Yeah. Well, so if you have any questions or comments or any explanations that we might have missed... Uh, feel free to email us at secondimpressionspod at gmail.com. And I'm Grace. And I'm Tom. And we'll see you in the next chapter. Bye.